You know, as we were gathering and praying together, um, someone said, you know, David's always excited. I said, I am. And it reminds me of an old chorus that I learned as a kid. And it goes like this. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited in the Lord. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited in the Lord. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited in the Lord. When you walk with the Lord, you won't get bored. Sing hallelujah. Amen. That's the testimony of my life. <laughs> uh, I, I love walking with the Lord because it's an ongoing, exciting journey. And, in, and, and this is a hinge day. I, I love this time of the year because we get to look back and go, wow, Lord, you've been awesome. And you get to look forward and realise it's the same God that's been awesome that's going to continue to be awesome in the future. And it's all about him, not about us. And so <clears throat> as I was asking the Lord what the word to bring was, and, and just to step back a few weeks, when we pray here on a Saturday morning, we ask God how to pray for the Sunday. And when we were praying on Christmas Eve, I felt to ask the Lord to give the preachers, wherever they were, a bullet word, a bullet word that would pierce the hearts and explode with light inside hearts, that people would come to understand the light of the world has come. And so there's a word that God gave to all the preachers, I believe, that would, would have pierced hearts that let light come for the Christmas message. And so I said, Lord, what's the bullet word for today? What's the bullet word, the word that would pierce hearts with light and life. And he said to me, the word is eudokia. Eudokia. Now that's a Greek word. Um, and it's actually not one that I would normally use, but it's a word that is used twice in the gospels by Jesus. And it actually came as a prompting from the Lord when on Christmas morning, or Christmas Eve rather, the service, we heard that the, uh, the, we read the scripture that we always read at Christmas time, that the angels came and spoke to the shepherds. And they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And it used to be, we'd say, goodwill to all men. But the scripture is often, and as we read it in the NIV, says, peace and God's favor on all, sorry, and, and peace to all those on whom his favor rests. And God prompted me to have another look at that word favour. <clears throat> He'd been speaking to me about favour and, and my vision of the word favour is probably somewhat like yours where we see God's blessing and we see favour of something being good for us. And so I said, Lord, tease it out for me. And he said, well, go and look at what the word means. And so I went and I saw that this word in the, in the Greek, eudokia, is a word that means goodwill. So when it was translated, goodwill toward men, that was true. But it actually means more than that word can sometimes convey to us. It means a kindly intent or a benevolence. <clears throat> and so what the angels were saying to the shepherds, who weren't the educated ones, you might remember, was that God was sending his son into the earth, that God's benevolence would be known to all men. And that benevolence of God would become something that was for all men who would believe in Jesus, who would come. God's kindly intent was being expressed by the angels. It was what was in God's heart when the angel came and made that declaration was God is for us. God's will is to bless us. God was declaring himself to not be the God of the law, but the God of love and grace. 
as he declared that through the angels and said that in Jesus would come this benevolence towards us. And so the angels declared it. And it's, it's good for us, I believe, to understand something more of what God meant in that declaration from the angels. Peace, I spoke about some months ago, and I said that only a Christian can truly understand true peace because it comes as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us when we give our lives to Jesus. And this peace that's spoken about by the angels actually comes to us through the Holy Spirit coming to us through us accepting Jesus. So it's a part of God's plan for our lives at this time to understand that peace, that serenity of soul I spoke about, we talked about that day, comes because of Jesus. No other way. It cannot come any other way. And we can search and we can plan things and we can look at all the fireworks in the world and we can look at all the front pages that say how wonderful the world is when it's actually going to hell in a handbasket. It's not that wonderful, but for the Christian, it is because we know Jesus. And so what the Lord wants us to know at this hinge time, as we look back and as we look forward, is that God is for us and that he is for us in a way that he wants to bring home to us how much he loves us. In the, in the other time that this word is used in the New Testament, uh, sorry, in the Gospels, it's used twice in the Gospels about eight or ten times in the New Testament, this Greek word we spoke of, which is, um, um, I, I keep saying it because I think it's the word for us for the, the, the year ahead, eudokia, God's good intent towards us for 2018. That's, that's the word that I hope you hold on to. doesn't matter if you don't know how to say it or doesn't matter if you don't know how to spell it, but it's that key word that says God's goodwill towards us, his good intent towards us. Is, there's something about it that we need to not miss, and that is how come and how it comes. And if we read Luke 12, sorry, yeah, read Luke, Luke 10 rather, where Jesus had sent out the 72 and they came back. And they came back full of joy and excitement. And we read it here. Let me read it from uh, verse 17 of Luke 10. The 72 returned with joy and said... Let me find it on the right page. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw, this is Jesus speaking now, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you, speaking to the disciples, authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And it goes on and says, at this time, and I love this verse, it's one of my favourite verses in the Bible, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. So here's Jesus, the man. The disciples come back and say, hey, guess what, Lord, this happened. And Jesus says, yeah, you got it. And there's a burst of joy that comes to Jesus as the Holy Spirit touches the man Jesus with the power of heaven. And Jesus goes, yes, you got it. I praise you, Father. Jesus' response to this touch from the Holy Spirit is, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to be by my Father. No one who's the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son 
and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. What we're seeing here is a key, and it's a key that we, we can miss to our detriment. The key is that we need to come to God with childlike response. We don't have to come to God in some clever, religious, educated way. In fact, that gets in the way of us coming to God. Quite often we become too cerebral in our response to God. God is calling us into this relationship where God's good pleasure was being expressed to the little children, to the disciples who've just gone out on their first encounter, had an encounter with the demonic, come back and said, wow, even the demons did what we told them in your name, Jesus. And he said, you got it. You've got it. They didn't have to go to school for 20 years to learn how to be disciples. They'd been with Jesus a short time and he said, now go do it. This is the complete picture of God with us if you look at this. There's the Father, Jesus points to, the Son himself and the Holy Spirit in unison over this revelation of kindly benevolence to his children, those who come with childlike joy in faith. This is how we come to understand the true benevolence of God is when we come like that and Father, Son and Holy Spirit celebrate that we would come and want to be there. The trigger for this explanation of God's good pleasure was the disciples' joy at seeing what God did. That was the trigger. The trigger for God's good pleasure was the disciples actually believed what they were asked to do and went and did it and God went, you got it, you got it. Jesus said, you got it. And that released pleasure and joy in the Father's heart. So at the end of a year and the start of a year, there's a key in there, I believe, for us to know how to have this relationship ongoing with the Father. That's it. Just go and do it. Yes. And so out of obedience and boldness for Jesus, this set up this joy explosion in Jesus with the Holy Spirit. It gives us a picture of how being, how we can bring joy to the Father's heart is to let him show us. Now, this is I actually underlined this in my notes, so I better say it slowly. We bring joy to the Father's heart when we let him show us favour. When he is able to release his favour upon us is when he has joy in his heart. And he wants to. He came and he said, I want to bring favour. I want to bring blessing. I'm kindly towards you. Let me do that. And, and, and we want to, we say, oh yeah, okay. But we're not meant to be blobs waiting for a blessing. We're meant to be a little involved in this relationship. We're meant to come and go, yeah, God, yeah, let's do stuff. Let's do stuff, God. And, and when we go, what is it we'll do? And God says, well, let's wander down the street and wave to people and say, have a good morning. God bless you. God goes, yeah, let's do that. That's a good thing to do today. And that brings joy to the Father's heart. Did you know that? It does. It brings joy to his heart. God's joy, God's joy is in giving us life. God's joy is in giving us the new life that's ours in Jesus. God's joy is in giving us eternal life through knowing him because we've said yes to Jesus. God's joy is in giving us daily relationship bred with him. God is a giver, not a taker. We, we, we 
so often get messed up with the idea that God wants to take away things from us that we might think are good. God isn't about taking things off us. God's about giving things to us. Most of all, himself and his love and his power and his joy. That's what he has for us. The enemy is the taker. He wants to take things away. God wants to bring things to us. So we have this opportunity at this time of the year when we stop and we say, Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us. It sometimes can be a little trite. We can go, well, yeah, it's been a good year. Thanks, God. But in the, if we stop for a little longer than that blink and realise just how incredibly awesome God has been to us in the little things and the big things. I mean, it's just, it, it blows your mind. It really does. And a lot of the world runs past that. A lot of the world gets confused about trying to stay in God's plan for their life. Actually, this morning, I was, and, and I love how God does this. When, when he gives you something to share, he often gives you little extras along the way when I'm out for a walk or out talking to him. And um, this morning, he said, have a look at your emails. And there's one I get in from a thing called Faith Gateway, which, you know, I get most days, I think. I don't know. I sort of scan them. But this one this morning was really awesome because it was from a lady who had struggled with what God really thinks about you. She said, she said, I began to hate the verse that says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and to you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And she said, I, I really struggled with that because I kept stumbling over, what is your plan for me, God? What is your plan for me? Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? And she said, until finally one day, and she went, goes on with a lot of that here. And then she said, finally one day I realized that while I'd been reading that and while I'd been hearing that and while I'd been receiving that, I wasn't hearing God's heart behind that. And so she said, when I looked at the Hebrew, and she obviously hadn't done that before, and that's fair enough, lots of us don't. She said, there's a Hebrew word, which I won't pronounce, although I have been there and I learned how <laughs> a lot of it <laughs> is, is how the Jews speak. But anyway, I won't do that today. Um, it's more literally translated, God's thoughts. God knows the thoughts he has towards me and his thoughts towards me are good. Now, doesn't that change the dynamic of that scripture? How many of us have struggled under the, the load of, God has a plan for me. I've got to work it out. I've got to know what it is. Wrong. And yet that's taught across the world. It's not what the heart of God behind the words is saying. The heart of God behind the words is saying, my plan is that I have thoughts for you that are good for you. Live in that space. Don't struggle over, am I supposed to go here and live here? Or am I supposed to go and take that job? Or am I supposed to go and talk to these people? That is not what that scripture means, even though it's interpreted that way by a lot of us. It means God is saying, you know what, David? I just love you and I want to have a good day with you. And I've got thoughts that have not yet been made known to you. And that's the key. And the thoughts that God wants to make known to me and to you at this time, I believe, are thoughts that can only be, as Jesus points out, and as, as the angels pointed out, they can only be known to us. And this is the key for next year. They can only be known to us as we continue to seek to want to have a childlike relationship with the Father. We need to continue to come to him knowing that his thoughts for us are good, knowing that he's a good God 
knowing that his love for us is without end and without any measure of, of limitation to it. And his love is the key to us coming and accepting that. I want to go and just pick up another thing. And I'm, I'm trying to be very brief today because it is very hot. And I don't want to keep you here. I guess we've got a barbecue happening outside. Great. There are going to be hot sausages at the end. So, you know, just, just for fun. Um, <clears throat> but if you look at the scripture, and this is another thing as I was doing a meandering, walking the other day, talking to the Lord in preparation for this. He said, David, he said, the problem is that we, we as in people generally, are not living out of the seed of Abraham in our new life, the life of people who believe and are people of faith. We live out of a polluted seed, which is teaching that has given us understandings that are not entirely accurate. And we have to be careful that we listen to the heart of God behind the teaching. I'm not talking about this place. I love the teaching in this place, I might add. But if you, if you scan the world and look at what goes on in the world and you hear people standing up and, and, and expressing what they believe is from God and I bless them because they do that, it doesn't mean everything they say is actually accurate. And we need to investigate for ourselves. But how do we investigate? We investigate by saying, God, is that what you're saying? You know I don't understand all this, God. Would you like to tell me what you're saying? And let God speak to your heart by his spirit. And what God is saying is that we need to be like Abraham. And he was counted as righteous because he did what? He believed God. That was it. He believed God. He believed God when God said, Abraham, I want you to get up, move your whole family and go east. And Abraham said, okay, God, I'll do that. Now, he didn't sit down and negotiate a contract or ask God how long it was going to take and did he have enough money in the bank to start. He figured that if God asked him to go east, God had a plan that involved him saying yes. And, and if you read the scriptures again, when what Abraham was doing was acquiescing to the declaration of God. He, was, he, wasn't, he didn't have to sort it all out in some way. He was going, you know what, Lord? If you've said it, I believe it. And that settles it for me. That's another song somewhere in there, I think. But it is, it is that kind of childlike faith that we're being called into for 2018. We need to be open to being like Abraham. He called him, leave your country and go, and he went. And you know, after that, God made a covenant with Abraham. And one of the things that's interesting when you read the scriptures in Genesis was that that was after... Um, Abraham had defeated the four kings that came and he had um, the, the king that came that he, that he uh, Melchizedek came from Jerusalem and he was the priest of the king whose name isn't actually recorded that the battle was won for and that king said to Abraham you can have all the plunder and, and he said no, 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 no I don't want any of that he said I only want what God gives me. I don't want to be beholden to you, king. I'm not wanting anything. Let the guys have it, but not for me. Because God's given me a job and I'll do it and he'll supply. So Abraham had already worked out that his relationship with God was very simple. God called him to it. 
God resourced him for it, and God was faithful. And Abraham just kept saying, whatever you say, God's good for me. Childlike obedience. Childlike obedience. That's the invitation for us to understand this whole sense of God's eudokia for us in 2018. Simply hearing, believing and agreeing gives rise to action. Hearing, receiving, believing, going and doing. An uncomplicated following of the leading of God. And this is also the shape of the new covenant with God that Jesus brought and inaugurated into the earth. If we look at John 5, John 5, uh, John 5 we see these words. John 5, 19 and 20. Jesus said when they were asking him about what are we doing and Jesus said my father's always at his work and I am too. He goes on and says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. It can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he'll show him even greater things than these. Jesus was saying that his relationship with his father was that simple. So Jesus has inaugurated in us through the Holy Spirit, through him coming, through us embracing him, the Holy Spirit coming to us, he's inaugurated into us the Abrahamic type trusting that comes and says, yes, Lord, I believe you, well, let's do it. And you know what? It works. My testimony is it works. You see, my testimony is that I've journeyed many paths and sometimes I'm a long way down the road and I go, hang on, Lord, what am I doing here? And God doesn't chastise me. He usually laughs at me and says, well, I wonder what you're going to ask because this isn't quite where I wanted you to be right now. So let's go over here. But I never feel like God's dealing with me when that happens. I never feel like he's angry with me. I feel like that song I sang, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited in the Lord. When you walk with the Lord, you don't get bored. And I never get bored. I get beat up sometimes, and that's because I'm in the wrong place. But that's not God beating up on me. That's me walking into the lion's den and letting the lions have a bash at me because I'm holding hands with the enemy. Does that disqualify me from God's love? Of course not. Does that put me out of bounds for the, for the next day? Absolutely not. It actually causes me to be more aware of the battle. When Carol, Carol picked up my Bible when I was out for, a walk this, out for a walk this morning, and when I got home, she said, David, you're not going to speak about spiritual warfare again, are you? I said, no, darling, why? She said, well, that's the notes in the front of your Bible. I said, yeah, there's some old ones. I said, but hey, remember what Hedda used to say? There was a lady who used to come here. And she'd say to me way back when I was pastoring the church, she'd say, you're not going to preach about grace again, are you, David? And I'd say, yes, Heather, I'm going to keep preaching about it until you get it. And sometimes I feel like that about spiritual warfare. We do need to keep realising we're in a battle. We, we can't just ignore it and say, oh, that was yesterday's newspaper. It's today's newspaper. Read it. It's on the front pages everywhere. But at the same time, we have the authority and the power of heaven through Jesus' victory to say to the darkness, out of the way, get out of my way, get out of my face. We're talking this morning as we were out the back praying about sometimes when at night we get disturbed and it's like 
Just tell the enemy to buzz off all these disturbing spirits. Get out of my bedroom. I'm here to rest now. Get away from me in Jesus' name. And then go to sleep. These are the things that Jesus has for us in this relationship of favour. And so let's not cause ourselves... I'm going the wrong way in my notes. I wonder why I was going backwards. Um, see, I was on the wrong track there for a minute. Um, so it's a, child, it's a childlike faith. Uh, and when we... And when we connect, this, this, is a, this is an underlying point, when we connect with what pleases God, we get blessed with that same peace and joy. So when we connect with what pleases God, there's a release of peace and joy that comes from God to us. You know, that's what God wants to do for you and me next year. He wants us to live in that place of peace and joy. That's it. That's what he wants for us. That's why Jesus came. That we could have this deeper knowing of how awesome is the love of God. You know, one of the things that we also talked about yesterday morning when we were here praying was that um, at, at this time of the year, a lot of people get loaded up with what's your New Year's resolution going to be? And, and, you know, we kind of struggle with, well, how am I going to improve my life next year by doing this or not doing that? Can I give you some advice? Forget it. Don't go there. It's going to give you a headache or a heartache. What you want to do is say, God, I want to know you more in 2018. And out of that will flow life in all its fullness. That's the key to 2018. Not the do's and the don'ts and the shoulds and the shouldn'ts, but I want to know you more, Lord. I want to live in that place, Lord, where your blessing me causes me to get excited and then you get excited because you're blessing me. How cool is that? We're the recipients of God's blessing. And by receiving that and responding to that, we release a burst of joy in God's heart. Now that, to me, is a year well spent. And the invitation of God is that we do that at the start of this new year. Live in the fruit of the seed of Abraham, believing God. You're invited to live in this born-again lifestyle, spirit life shape. It's yours for the asking. And then... As we become locked into that understanding, we become freedom for others, fighters for Jesus. Other people see that and we can show them what God is doing in our lives that they might want to be part of it. You see, it's not about us. Favour is for us to have us live in the joy of the revelation that God is loving us more. That's the revelation that comes to the children of God the greater revelation of the greater love of God for his children. You know, if you don't know that God loves you, that breaks God's heart. And if you don't know that God wants to love you more, that breaks God's heart too, because he does. That's his whole objective. The other thing, another little diversion for a moment, as I was out walking this morning, I was talking to the Lord about creation, and he said, you know, David, he said, the whole universe, I created that before I got around to creating the world that you live in. I thought, oh, that's cool. I never really thought about that. God and Jesus had created the universe and there was this blob that he's made into the earth for us to live on. And he made it into the earth for us to live on because he wanted to have us on that earth. So I'm convinced as of this morning, not that I wasn't convinced before, that there is only one earth in the whole of the universe. And God made it because he wanted to put us on it as the pinnacle of his creation. The word tells us that. So he could love us. 
you know, he, he loved what he'd made. Jesus loved what he'd made with him. But the, the pinnacle of God's great love is you and me. I fit in there. But that's, he made us to love us, not to beat up on us, not to have us live under some cloak of load, but to live in a vibrant, loved-on relationship that then explodes in us. You know, there's, a, there's a, a, a poem that was written, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago, maybe not that quite long ago, uh, Invictus. And it's held up as something of a, an, a, it's a, it's an interesting poem. But one of the things it says in it, I am the captain of my soul. That is absolutely the worst place to be. Because I want Jesus to be the captain of my soul. I do not want to replace Jesus and decide how I'm going to live every day. I don't want to be run over by the enemy. But that the inclination of that, and it talks about, and the gods. So the guy that wrote it did not know God. He talked about the gods and his only rescuing of himself was he needed to be the captain of his soul. Now, I know a lot of Christians hold it up, and that's fine. But I'm just saying to you that for me, and the way I see the Scriptures, Jesus wants to be the captain of our soul, and that we listen to the whispers of his joy and favour, his kindly intent for you for today. Listen for that in the mornings. When you get up, go, Lord, what's your kindly intent for me today? That's a legitimate question and prayer. And hear what he says. He might tell you to go back to sleep and have a day in bed. He's never said that to me. But anyway, that's okay. So remember, he gets joy by showing you favour. God gets his joy by showing you favour. Don't block the, fl- the favour flow. Approach each day with a child like, so what's today, Lord? So what's today? So I say, bring it on in 2018, Lord. Eudokia, bring it on. God's goodwill and kindly intent, his favour, is ready to pour out on us in 2018. You and me, all of us, individually and collectively. God's love, his goodly intent, is your blessing in 2018. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord.